Day weekend to everybody. Uh, we're so glad that you're here as we continue our series, Amen. This then is how you should pray. Again, I'm Jeremiah, one of the pastors here at Riverway, and we're so glad that you are here with us. Uh, you should all have received some message notes on your way in. Uh, they're inside the bulletin. If you want to go ahead and pull those out now and grab your pens, uh, there'll be some fill-ins for you to kind of follow along as we go this morning. I also want to say uh, welcome to those of you watching in our parent viewing room this morning. Uh, we have a parent viewing room for those of you that have little kids that might get a little fussy during the service. Uh, just past the donuts and coffee, we have a room set up with uh, kids' toys, and the message is streamed live in there for you to watch with us. So take advantage of that if you would like. Before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to take a quick moment and just to say thank you to any servicemen or women that we have with us here this morning on Memorial Day weekend, and uh, specifically any friends or family of uh, veterans that may have given their lives or were injured while protecting our country. So we just want to say thank you this morning uh, to each of you. So this morning, we're continuing this series called Amen. Uh, this, then, is how you should pray. So I'm not surprising anybody when I say that this whole series is about prayer. Um, and specifically, we're going to be breaking down over the next uh, three weeks, including this morning, uh, the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus himself actually tells us this is how we should pray. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist. I did indeed go to Cooper High School, so forgive me for that. Um, but I'm smart enough to realize that when I'm reading the Bible, whenever Jesus says blatantly, this is how you should do something, it's a pretty good indication that this is how we should do things. So um, with that, I want to give you a little brief uh, look into how we went about this series. Um, a few months ago, Ryan and I started talking through what we wanted this series to look like and breaking it down week by week. And uh, if you weren't here last week, I would just encourage you to go ahead and listen online to the message that Ryan spoke, because uh, it really just laid the foundation for everything else that this prayer and this series is going to talk about. So just go to riverwaychurch.com and click on Sunday service, and you'll be able to listen to it. Um, but it really laid the foundation for this morning and for the weeks ahead. Uh, so as we're planning out this series, uh, obviously we're both very excited because um, the Lord's Prayer, there's just so many great pieces of truth in there for us to talk about and um, that we can really dive into. And uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, I'm just going to throw the first passage up that we went over, give you a brief recap. Uh, so this is what Ryan shared about last week, Matthew 6, 9 through 10. And it says, this then is how you should pray. This is Jesus telling us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there are so many just great takeaways from this. I mean, there's so many things that even those first few words uh, cover. I mean, our Father in heaven, you know, your name is holy, your kingdom, your will, these huge things that this verse talks about. So naturally, you know, we were pretty excited. Oh, man, we got some great direction here. And I'm, I'm thinking, all right, I'm speaking week two. You know, I'm excited. And I mean, I know what verse came next, obviously. But I'm like, man, I'm going to get a good passage here. going to all kinds of content to share. I'm really excited. And then we got to week two. And this is the verse uh, that we're going to be going with today. And Matthew 6, 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread. Period. And I was like, I mean, is there like, can we just put a comma there? Is there more we're going to tack on to it? I mean, give us this day our daily bread. That's uh, it's only, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words. Um, and... But as we talked about it more, it just was like, no, I think this is, you know, this is what we're going to speak about this morning. And I mean, I love bread as much as the next person. Um, I especially like to make toast. But um, I was like, whew, seven words. Maybe eight, seven, I counted right. Yeah, I went to Cooper, so forgive me. Um, but so I, you know, I had the thought, man, should I just tell Chris, hey, if you guys want to play five, six songs this morning instead of four, hey, just take some freedom, you know, do what you want to do. Um, 
But the more and more that I began to pray and study this passage, um, the more powerful it really became for me and the more that God really spoke even to my heart about the importance of this passage. Uh, and it's my hope and prayer that this morning that God will do the same thing for each and every one of you here. Um, so even in spite of me, that he would speak to all of us. So uh, this morning, before we even get into that verse, I just want to give a brief background, a little bit on what Ryan talked about last week, um, but really set the foundation for where we're going this morning. And by doing that, is I just want to take a minute to remind us all of who it is that we're making our request to. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, who it is that we're making that request to. And Ryan talked about this last week. He said, but the very first two words of the Lord's Prayer are absolutely vital for us to understand what God wants us to. And those first two words are, Our Father. Our Father. And it's important to know that we don't pray to a distant, non-relational God, but we pray to our Heavenly Father. So if you want to learn how to pray, if you want to really understand how God wants us to pray, I would say to look at kids who have a good relationship with their dad and see how they interact with him. There's no need to look at some very spiritual people, some religious people, and see how they pray. Look at children and how they interact with their father, and that is how God intends us to pray. And the beautiful thing about this is that it really it moves it out of a realm of religious ritual and into a realm of family. No longer are we going to this religious figure that we don't know all too well, but instead we're going to our Heavenly Father. And that's something I think we can all relate to, is how we talk to our Father. And I love the way that Jesus put this, and I would kind of modernize his language a little bit here, but basically Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, Dad. Start your prayer with the word, Dad. I don't know about you guys, but I have two young kids, and uh, about 99% of the time, that's exactly how they start every sentence. They come up to me, hey, Dad, 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 Dad. And it's usually like that, except when it's uh, the middle of the night or first thing in the morning. Uh, we have two boys that are four and two, and Jackson, who's two, he, uh, as soon as he wakes up, I don't know if he's immediately angry or if he just has a little attitude, um, but it can be any time, middle of the night or first thing in the morning, and all I hear from across the hall is this, Daddy! And with each increased daddy that he gives, there's more attitude and more anger that I'm not hopping out of bed to go get him. Um, so even as I thought about that, I was like, man, I wonder if sometimes I sound like that when I'm praying. I'm like, man, how, how does that work? Um, but for the most part, they come up to me uh, lovingly, uh, relationally, oftentimes loudly and impatiently. Uh, sometimes they're dressed, sometimes they're not dressed. I do have boys, rather. Um, but generally, they come up to me and they look me right in the eye and they say, Dad, and try to get my attention just that way. And I'll usually respond, yeah, but what, what, what can I do for you? What do you need? And then they usually respond with, Dad, can you get me a snack? Can we go outside? Can I play on your phone? Can I do this? Can I do this? And whatever it is, I stop what I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what do you need? Let me, you know, let me, let me help you. Let me do that for you, unless it's some crazy request. He has my attention. And it's not just because my kids are two and four. Um, I still do this with my dad all the time, and I'm 29 years old. Um, two weeks ago, I had the unfortunate but kind of fortunate half about happening where my car died, and uh, I had a 99 Pontiac Grand Am, and um, it almost had vintage plates on it. I was close to being able to get those 
Um, but it died on the highway. I was taking my wife out for Mother's Day, and her Mother's Day gift was a dead car on the side of the road. So happy Mother's Day to her. Um, but so our car died, and throughout this process, like, I needed to figure out, A, how to get rid of the car. It was beyond repair. The engine repair was worth more than the car was worth. Um, so I needed to figure out how to get rid of it. I needed to start shopping for a new vehicle. And so what did I do is I called my dad. Now, my dad isn't some great mechanical mind. He'd probably be the first to tell you that. He's not a car salesman. But nonetheless, when I faced a need, I went and talked to my dad. And this gave me great comfort knowing that whatever it was I was facing, I could go to him. And it was funny, even throughout this process, I had many people come up to me like asking me about the car situation. I had one person even um, say, hey, I work at a dealership. I could probably get you a really cheap used car if you just need something to get by. And uh, my first words that came right out of my mouth were like, no thanks. You know, um, my wife and I are, are looking for a minivan. And I don't know if I said it kind of like dismissive, but even in my head, like, I thought, man, if me from 10 years ago would have heard me just say, no, I'm, I'm looking for a minivan, no, no thank you, I probably would have smacked myself in the head. Like, what did you just say? But 10 years later, two kids later, and now we drive a minivan, and it's wonderful. So... Um, <laughs> A brand new 2008, so it's new to me, right? Um, but throughout this process, I knew that I could go to my dad and that he could listen and give me wisdom and advice throughout the whole process. And that's the first takeaway I want you guys to have this morning. It's the very first feeling is that God is a dad. He's a dad. And I really need this first point to sink in because if we don't get this, then everything else here is just not going to click whatsoever. Because if we can understand that God is a dad and he's our heavenly father, it will completely revolutionize your prayer life. I guarantee it. No longer will you be going to God like you're going to your supervisor at work holding a checklist thinking, oh man, it's today the day I'm going to get axed. It's not like that. No longer are we going to God as some distant force where we're saying, I wonder if he hears me. I wonder if it's even worth it for me to pray. It's not like that. When we pray, we go to God as our heavenly father. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't look at us. He doesn't look down on us. But he looks at us as his children. Because he is a loving dad. And how amazing is this? It's even tough to comprehend. But of all the possible ways that God could have chosen to relate to us and the roles that he could have chosen to relate to us, he chose the role of father. Chose the role of father. Because he knows that as soon as we know that he is our father, what that does inside of us. And how many doors that opens for us to come to him. It tells us that we can interrupt him. We can make requests of him. He always hears and answers prayer, sometimes yes, sometimes no, sometimes later. And for those of us who are dads here this morning, I just want to make a request and ask you to even just partner together here this morning and kind of even make a little bit of a pact, if you will. And simply this, that when our kids hear us talking about how God is our dad, I want it to make sense to them. I want them to go, oh, well, then he really loves me. He cares for me. He protects me. He provides for me. He likes to listen to me. He's there for me. He likes to talk with me. He likes to spend time with me. He likes to do things with me. We love each other. I enjoy him, and he enjoys me. Because that's what a dad is, and that is exactly who we are asking to give us our daily bread. It's not some distant spiritual being, but it is our Heavenly Father that we can come to with anything that we have. 
So now that we've kind of got that covered of who it is we're asking and talking to, I want to talk about how this is the very first time in this passage that the attention is drawn back towards us. Prior to this, it was always about God and the focus on him, and now for the first time, Jesus turns the focus on you and me. And if any of you are like me, you're probably thinking, it's about time. It's about time. I got a laundry list of things that I need to talk to God about, and I have these needs. And I love that... I think Jesus really had a sense of humor because even this part, the very first thing that mentions us in this prayer, the very first two words that he says for our part is the words, give us. Give us. I just think it's very fitting and shows that Jesus knows this very well because I think that's oftentimes our attitude whenever we want something or, you know, or a need. We're inclined to just say, give us, and that's exactly what Jesus says. And this verse doesn't say, give us our daily filet mignon. It doesn't say, give us our daily caribou coffee. All those things are wonderful, and I would love them daily. It says, daily bread. And what this is, it's simply asking God to provide and meet for our daily needs. This verse is all about provision and God's provision in our lives to supply and provide the things that we need on a daily basis, to take care of our present, to take care of us. And your next fill-in here, and it's actually a little bit lower on your notes. My apologies. I moved things around uh, after we got them printed, so bear with me. Uh, but next fill-in here is that Jesus tells us to ask God to provide our daily needs. Jesus tells us to ask God to provide our daily needs. He's given us the green light to bring our request to God. He's given us the go-ahead whatever we're facing, to bring our daily needs to God. So we pray this line acknowledging that even our daily bread, the biggest needs, the smallest needs, everything we have is his provision, it's his gift, and he is our provider in all of it. He cares about even our smallest daily needs. Both of our salvation and our evening meal come from the same exact hand. I once heard it described this way, that God has a great big kitchen, and how many people love big kitchens? Big kitchens equals lots of food. I'm happy when there's lots of food. Um, everyone needs a kitchen. It's no wiggle room on that. That's where basic needs are met. A garage is optional sometimes on a house. A dining room is nice. A man cave is almost essential, but not quite. But a kitchen is absolutely essential because that's where our daily needs are typically met through food. And some people tend to think that prayer is all spiritual, but it's not. In fact, your next film is that prayer is not just spiritual, but it's also physical. It's also physical. God is not this spiritual guru who only cares about our spiritual beings. Obviously, he cares about our spiritual beings, but he also cares about us physically. And Jesus himself demonstrated that in his own ministry. The people he cared for were those who were without food, those who were sick and lame the widows, he met their physical needs. So when Jesus uses the word bread, really he's referring to everything we need for our earthly existence. And Martin Luther, the great theologian and the founder of the Lutheran Church, said this back in 1529. He says, what does daily bread mean? Everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, yard, fields, cattle, um, if you're a farmer or living in 1529, cattle is a daily need, um, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, 
devout and faithful rulers, good government, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. So a lot more than just our daily food, but these are the things that we ask when we pray, give us our daily bread. And it shows us our need for this dependence upon God to provide for our daily physical, emotional, spiritual needs. And even as we talk about this, I'm sure there might be some of you thinking, but does God really provide all that? I mean, it sounds great, but does he really provide all of this? I just want to tell you a brief story um, back in the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. And this is just after Moses, uh, through the power of God, freed the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And this story, I think this really illustrates this verse that we read at the beginning. And it's kind of interesting because these people had been slaves their entire lives. And finally, finally, freedom. God sets them free. So you would think that they'd be overjoyed. They think they'd be so happy with their current state. And yet we find something very different. And they start to complain. I don't know if you guys know people like this, that they're never happy no matter what they get. But this is kind of how the Israelites were acting here. In chapter 16, verses 3 through 4, it says, The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Life wasn't that bad. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Talk about a thankful group of people, right? You're no longer slaves. We've set you free, and you're already complaining. And then the Lord says this to Moses. He says, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And if I'm Moses, I'm like, you're going to rain down bread? That doesn't make any sense. But this is what he says. I'll rain down heaven, bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day and gather, what's that word say? Enough. And gather enough for that day. And this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So fast forward back to this passage, give us this day our daily bread. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, those words, daily bread, remind the Jewish people of when their forefathers used to crawl out of their tents every morning and go gather the bread that God rained down from heaven for them. They immediately could come to a place where they knew exactly what that meant by daily bread. And Moses told this to them that they would have just enough for that day, like we just read But he also warned them that there would be a time when they would be such a wealthy nation that God's provision would be so strong in their lives that people would be coming from all corners of the earth to come to them for food, for their daily needs to be met. And God wanted to warn them too. He said, but on that day, don't you dare for one minute forget where that provision came from. Don't you forget where your food came from? Don't you forget where the roof over your head came from? Don't you dare forget all the good things that I did to get you where you are today. Every good thing came from me because I love you. And that's what God wants us to really understand is that every good thing comes from him. Your next film, it's not so much a request that we make as it is recognition. It's recognition. It's acknowledging that all provision comes from God our Father. So obviously, yeah, when there's needs, we make those requests to God, but it's also, when we pray this prayer, we're recognizing all the things that God has blessed us with. 
the food, the home, the shelter, the vehicles, the jobs. We are recognizing and thanking him for those things in our lives. So give us this day our daily bread. What I would say about this too is that when we go to our Heavenly Father with this request, your next feeling is bring our need, not our greed. Bring our need, not our greed. Do you need a new car, like the situation I was in? Then ask God. I know I did. (laughs) Do you need a new job? Ask God. But too often times we have exactly what we need, and yet we pray out of our greed. And this dishonors our relationship with God. I have a great relationship with my dad, and I know that if there's ever a situation where I was absolutely in need of something, I could go to him, and if there's any way that he could help me out, he would do it in a heartbeat. But if I came to him with some far-off request, and it's just very evident that it was all out of greed and just me wanting more and more and more, you're probably just giving me a crazy look at me, like, are you kidding me? You know, just kind of thump me across the head, and that's you know, the way our relationship is, and he would have every right to. Because I wouldn't be coming to him out of a need, I would be coming to him out of greed. And I'll just say, for all of us, when we come to God, it's so important that we bring that need to him. He gladly will take our needs, but don't let it come out of greed. When we pray this prayer and we pray for the physical needs, what it does is it enables us to grow in a spirit of thankfulness. And Jesus' own brother James wrote this in James 1.17, said, Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift, it all comes from above. So when you and I pray for our food, which if we're all honest, there's many times, many meals that we probably don't always pray for our food. Um, but these people back in this time, they had to pray for the food daily because they didn't have as much food as we have. I think that's even part of the reason why we tend to overlook it sometimes is that oftentimes we have refrigerators and pantries and cupboards that are overflowing with food. And uh, if we're all honest, if the end of the world were to come, we'd all probably still be chubby in about six months just because we have so much food stocked up that we would not go hungry. Um, many of us have our little secret stashes of snacks. You don't need to say uh, amen to that because I know we all do. Um, my youngest child, Jackson, who's two, he's the one who gives us the most headaches and fun at the same time. Uh, but two, uh, a, few, a few days ago, I came home and was talking to my wife, and she mentioned how that morning Jackson came out of the room and he was eating a candy bar. And immediately I was like, well, where in the world did he get a candy bar? And the nice thing about two-year-olds is that I don't know if they really know enough to lie at this point. So he just told her exactly where it came from, and it was underneath his pillow. Apparently, he had a handful of these little mini candy bars underneath his pillow, which obviously he found them in the house somewhere and thought it would be a good idea to stash them. Um, So now I almost feel like I need to be a prison guard every night before bed and check his mattresses, check his pillows, make sure he's not hiding a shiv in there to attack his brother in the middle of the night. Um, But he has a secret stash, just like many of you can probably relate to. And this really just furthers the point that many of us, and most all of us, we generally have plenty, plenty of food to eat, plenty of provision in our lives. And what this means is that God has richly blessed us. God has richly blessed each and every one of us. So with that, we should both pray and thank God for the provision he has in our lives. Even when it doesn't seem like we have a lot, God has blessed us. God has blessed us. And the thing I like about this prayer, your next film, is that it instructs us that prayer should be offered daily. 
You know, the verse says, give us this day our daily bread, not give us this week our weekly bread, but what we need for today. So here Jesus is encouraging us to pray daily for those needs. So whether we're praying out of a need or we're praying out of thanksgiving, it's a prayer that needs to become a daily habit in our lives so that we never for once lose focus on who it is that provides those needs. And I love that Jesus says, our daily bread. I think he's very, very specific. He didn't have the verse say, my daily bread, but it's our daily bread. Because some of you might say, well, God's already provided for my needs. My needs are good. I don't need to pray for them. Well, I would encourage you to pray for our daily needs. Pray for all of our daily needs. This verse calls us your next fill, and it calls each and every one of us to pray for us and ours, not just me and my. Us and ours, not just me and my. Pray for those who don't have bread. Pray for those who are hungry. Pray for those who have physical needs to be met. Pray for the single parents. Pray for the kids who are couch hopping on a nightly basis to have a roof over their head. Pray for the less fortunate than us. Because that's what this verse is getting at. Not just me and I, but us and our. God wants us to have a heart for the poor and less fortunate so that we would have compassion on them and be generous. So although God has blessed many of us, we can never lose sight of the us and our that this verse speaks of. This verse also speaks, your next film, to the importance of daily family prayer. You know, when it talks about us and our, as a church here, we're together one day a week. So when we look at us and our, it's like, well, it obviously implies that it's multiple people praying. So this really gives us one of two options. Number one is that we could try to pray daily with our coworkers, which I'd love to hear stories of that if you try that route. Or we can pray together as families, which I think is the way God intended it. I think there's something so powerful and so binding as a family when we can come together and thank God for the daily things he's given us and bring our needs to him. And when our spouses and our kids see us doing that, it begins to draw our families even closer and closer together. Because see, in praying for provision, it reminds us that literally all we have comes from God. And some of us might say, no, no. I went to school, I went to college, I got a degree. I searched for a job, I got a good job, I worked hard. I made a lot of stuff happen for myself. And to that I would say that God's the one who gave you life and breath and intellect and the ability to learn and knowledge and a job and capacity. Every good thing comes from him. The Bible talks about how he makes the sun rise, he makes the rain fall, and the plants grow. It's not just a beautiful plant because it did it on its own. God made the sun rise, the waterfall, and the plant grew. In the same way, he's given us every ability that we have, every talent we have to become the people that we are. So we acknowledge that and we thank him for it. Your next feeling, in praying for provision, we are acknowledging that God is indeed a giver. He's a giver. Our Heavenly Father, our Dad, loves to give stuff to his kids. 
And so we thank him for it. And Jesus put it so perfectly in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, If you then, though you are evil, I love how Jesus just throws that in there. If anybody else was telling people, they'd probably get really offended. But Jesus just says, if you, you know, you're evil. Let's get that out of the way. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And that is exactly why I believe Jesus invites us to pray. Give us. Give us. Might seem a little rude to think of it that way, but Jesus invites us to say, give us, because he knows that God, our Father, wants to give and supply the needs that we have every day in our lives. And that's why that this verse, give us this day our daily bread, I truly believe that it's telling us and I hope that it's a declaration that we can all make this morning. It's the very last feeling. Is that I will separate my needs from my wants and trust them to my Heavenly Father. I will separate my needs from my wants and I will trust them to my Heavenly Father. So whatever need you're facing this morning, Jesus is inviting you just to come to Him and say, Dad, give us, give me. Meet my needs today. Even when it's hard and it seems like there's no way for our needs to be met, we simply come to our Heavenly Father and we trust that our Dad will give us our daily bread. So when we read that prayer, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Those seven simple words yet so powerful to us when we can bring them to our Heavenly Father. Because He wants to meet each and every one of our needs and to provide our daily bread. Will you close your eyes and pray with me this morning as we close? There's nothing spiritual about closing your eyes this morning, but it just really helps us to focus on what God might be speaking to our hearts today. I just want us to take the next few moments just to talk to God, our Father. And whatever needs that you might be facing, whatever struggles that are currently in your life, I want you to come to God, maybe like you never have before, and just say, Dad, this is what I'm struggling with. These are my needs. And he'll meet you right there. I know that there's some of you probably sitting here and you probably haven't had the greatest example of a father in your own life. And in this moment, I just want you to turn to your Heavenly Father and allow Him to meet you and to comfort you and to show you what the love of a father is like. So let's take the next 30 seconds and just talk to God, our Father.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, for all that you've given us and for the blessings that you've given each and every one of us. And this morning we just come to you and we trust and we ask that you would provide every need we face in life. Lord, you see our situations and we just give them to you. And we don't come to you as some distant, far-off God, but we come to you as our Father and ask that you would be with us in our time of need, God. If you're here this morning and as we talk about this relationship with God, our Father, and Jesus, and you'd be honest and say, I don't have that relationship with God. I've never made Jesus Christ the leader of my life, but you want to this morning. I just encourage you to say a simple prayer just like this. Say, Jesus, please forgive me. Please take away all the junk in my life and forgive me of all my sins. I want a fresh start and I want to make you the leader of my life. All you have to do is say a prayer like that. And Jesus will come. He'll wipe away everything you've ever done wrong. He'll wipe away every past regret you have. So this morning, God, I just pray that you would meet each and every one of us, wherever we're at, whatever situation we're facing. And above all else, God, above whatever need that we come to you with, that we would from this day forward always look to you as our Father, and we'd come to you with confidence and boldness that we can bring whatever we face to you. No longer are we afraid to bring something to you, but Heavenly Father, we would come to you just like we come to our earthly dads and just say, Father. So God, we thank you so much, and it's in your precious name we pray.